just thinking about the necessity for pastors in these days truly to be calling our congregations to understand how the societal division is playing out within us, within our congregations, and then to ask and really push on the theological question about what what should be allowed to divide us as the body of Christ. And it seems to me that Christ doesn't really give us a whole lot of outs on things that are allowed to divide us. everybody, welcome to another episode of the CPT Podcast. Today we're going to do something a little different than what we normally do. I am here with the uh, president uh, of the CPT, Todd Wilson, uh, whom you all know uh, as the co-host of the podcast with myself. And uh, we're also joined by Joel Lawrence, who is the executive director of the CPT. And uh, I'm Zach Wagner, I'm the editorial director of the CPT. And uh, we're just going to take a little bit of time here and just kind of process what what the heck happened uh, this past week. Uh, when you're listening, it'll be almost a full week since the election uh, uh, between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, I am in the UK in Oxford, so it's Thursday evening for me and it's Thursday afternoon for Todd and Joel. The only reason I say that is because we don't know exactly what other current events will have transpired by the time we get to this conversation. <laughs> we can uh, be guaranteed that something will have conspired. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but just to kind of give you some context, and we'll try to we'll try to hopefully make the conversation relevant no matter what has happened. Um but as it stands right now, uh, it I, I think it's fair to say that it's looking like Joe Biden is going to just barely um, eke out an electoral college victory um, if if everything stays the same, and it, it, it perhaps it, it won't. So uh, that's where we're at, and we wanted to just take a step back and say. Uh, you know, what, what, what now? <laughs> um, so Todd and Joel are here and, uh, maybe to start, uh, I think how, how, how are you guys feeling and, uh, kind of extending that towards our audience and particularly pastors who are leading churches and, um, all of that, uh, how how are you how are you doing with the fact that we we still don't we still don't know um mm. and this is just a, a going on it is the election that never ends it is the year that never ends um just just perhaps uh todd you first and then joel if you could just react a little bit to how this week has gone yeah. uh well thanks zach um I, how am I doing? How am I feeling uh, in general? And, and maybe I'll just say in general, sort of like both exhilarated and exhausted. Right? I mean, it's, yeah. I, as you know, um, I, I do. I'm a I am a close uh, observer and keen, have keen interest in political questions. Um, and so, you know, I've watched all this unfold for many months. And then in recent days um, with with all kinds of um, 
interest and, if you will, kind of perverse excitement. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't get enough sleep on Tuesday night into Wednesday morning kind of thing. Uh, so that has made me exhausted, but also probably just kind of generally emotionally exhausted. Uh, mm. I think part of the emotional exhaustion is, is the tensions uh, that we continue to live with, you know, so to your question or about how are we doing with the, the unstill, the election still being undecided, at least at the presidential level. Um, that's, you know, that's a deal. That's a real deal. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I'm trying to resist the temptation to refresh my news feed every 10 minutes to see, you know, what the count is in Arizona or Georgia suburbs out of Atlanta and all this kind of thing. Um, I will say this, though, um, also, I am in a sense relieved and perhaps optimistic, not optimistic, hopeful about this particular outcome. Uh, and I don't mean by this outcome that, that one candidate's going to edge out the other candidate. I mean the outcome of this being so close. Um, if it would have been a dramatic surprise repeat of 2016, which almost no one was expecting. Uh, Donald, but it almost was, we should point out. It almost was. No, that's exactly right. That and, it, have, and, it, and it, still, it still could be, we should say. It, no, it, no, it, no, 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 no. Trump, Trump could eke it out, and that would then be surprising. But if he ekes it out, it's going to be like by four votes in Nevada kind of thing, right? My point is that because it is so close, one of the big observations – people are making, it's exactly right, is, wow, we really are a divided country. That's right. It was not just an anomaly of Donald Trump. It was not just an anomaly of 2016. It was not just, you know, a kind of fluky thing that we're going to wipe the slate clean and get back to normal times uh, in 2020. What this reveals is the depth of the philosophical, political diversity and differences in the country and the reason why I said I'm kind of hopeful about all of this is I, I, I would hope this, would, this, this observation for all of us as Americans would chasten our ideological extremism by saying, wait a minute, um, it's not just willed ignorance on one side of the equation by a couple of weird people that live in said part of the country, or it's not just... Um, political or ideological extremism by some, you know, sophisticated liberal professors and politicians that live in another part of the country. This is a 50-50 countrywide um, um, split. And so we need to learn how to live well with our neighbors. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. know if I'm expressing, expressing this well, but I would just hope that no. I appreciate I appreciate Todd the 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 hopeful um, take on that because I think I was identifying something similar and feeling perhaps less than less than hopeful, mm -hmm. namely like I think there would have been a catharsis <clears throat> for many people if like the one way or the other, you could argue, if it was definitive, That's if right. it was, this is a rebuke of Trumpianism that is so clear, 
Or on the one hand, this is a rebuke of the Democratic Party and, you know, Biden was the best you got. And, you know, the 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 power and influence of populism, conservative populism is is much stronger than you ever than you ever would have would have imagined. It's 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 in between those. Um, So we're kind of stuck in the space um, of as you said, well, it, it looks like we are truly divided and will continue to be, which of course has a lot of implications for our life as Christians and, uh, as, as pastors and in, in the church, uh, Joel, what are your, uh, reactions just to this week, but also to what we've been, we've been talking about so far? Yeah, I, I, I think, um, kind of analyzing my anxiety it's it's not so much at at election results as it is at the longer it goes on what kind of social unrest comes from that um you know just we're in a powder keg in so many ways and uh so that's kind of the emotional uh, observation of of you know the getting an answer sooner than later, whatever that answer is, um, I think will help. Um, but you know, on the, you know, what we've been talking about, um, with this 50, 50 divide, which I agree with Todd, what you're saying that, uh, it's not an anomaly. It's, it's the reality and it's almost, it's more in concrete now than it was four years ago. It yeah, seems, um, and so it is what we're facing societally. Yes. And I think about then what's, okay, so what's the pastoral opportunity yes. in that, right? Because we can look at all the challenges and we can list off all the challenges, but there's also a, a tremendous pastoral opportunity in that. And, uh, you know, as I've been thinking about that, um, just thinking about the, the, the necessity for pastors in these days truly to be calling our people, our congregations to, to understand how the societal division is playing out within us, within our congregations, and then to ask and really push on the theological question about what, what should be allowed to divide us as the body of Christ. And it seems to me that Christ doesn't really give us a whole lot of outs on things that are allowed to divide us. Yes. And then that I think needs to prompt a lot of then reflection and conversation around um, what maybe have we been captured by? What have we given our hearts to that uh, have, have become um, things that we've maybe become comfortable with dividing us as the body of Christ. And we need to become, we need to become much less comfortable with being divided. Yes. Yeah. That's so, that's so helpful, Joel. Um, because I think there is a sense thinking about the church in particular, given this result where you're just like, wow, it's, it, it, it just became somehow more complicated than it already was to be a pastor in America. Yeah. Is is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I, I certainly think so. Um, I think, and, and I, I want to underscore that that you know, Todd, your sense of of uh, of optimism in in that 
um, I, I, I feel that to a degree too. I do think though, um, with the hardening of the ideological spectrum and where people are, that, that does make, make it more challenging for pastors. Uh, I think there's also an, an important need to recognize perhaps our own hardening and how that might be affecting how we pastor and yeah. lead flocks. And so, um, yeah, I, I, we certainly are, are living through, uh, through complex times as we talk about at the CPT. Yeah. And, and it, it totally, and, and one of the, um, one, uh, one of the, ben- maybe I should say, I don't know that I'm <laughs> optimistic, but hopeful. I'm, I, I, I struggle with optimism because I asked someone the other day who, um, uh, who has very strong views on this recent <laughs> election and I was making this point, you know, wow, now that you see that the country's so divided, do you think that can help um, modulate your the the aggression aggressive way in which you hold your views? Mm-hmm. In other words, in other words, folks, like n- newsflash for the United States, people are not I mean, like this is who we are. This right. is who we are. Yes. Use this language of the American family. This is who we are, and the American church, evangelical church. This is who we are. Pretty deeply divided. So you know, we did a recent podcast with with uh, Gerald, Pastor Gerald, uh, talking about pastoring a divided congregation. It's not everybody's congregation that's listening to this podcast, or even folks that are involved with the CPT. But it's probably a lot of people's congregation. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of you know you you accidentally have an obnoxious person come over for dinner and then you like wipe your brow when they leave. You're like, whew, let's not do that again. We're glad we're got rid of that person. But then you go to a family gathering and you're struggling with your cousin or your aunt or your uncle. And you're like, but they're not going away. Like they're yeah. part of the right. right. And we're not going away. And then what do you do in that situation? You can do the mature, the immature thing, which is, well, we're just never going to talk to uncle Joe again, and we're going to ostracize that person. But the far better way is to say, for the sake of family harmony and unity, we're going to learn to like love and learn from and listen to crazy Uncle Joe. (laughs) (laughs) We all have the crazy Uncle Joe, politically speaking, in our lives now, and they're not going away. (laughs) So. Todd, I'm, I'm Which sorry, is no I, reference, by the way, Todd, to the fact that one of the presidential candidates' first name is Joe. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, didn't, sorry. I didn't even think about that. I was trying to think of what's the name of an uncle. Oh, Joe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got that crazy Uncle Joe. Todd, I, I, I'm sorry to mis- mischaracterize you as, as optimistic. I, I think hope is a, probably the better the better term for it. I will, well, yeah. you know. Sometimes well, it helps to get views from. Go ahead, go ahead. I just want to say the reason why I, I I wouldn't say I'm optimistic is because what I'm describing requires emotional maturity. Yeah, yeah. And it requires having some tolerance for yeah. other people and capaciousness and yeah. intellectual hospitality <coughs> and, and, and that's, dealing with your fear of the other. Yeah. Yes. And we're not great at that. And every input at a cultural news consumption, social media is encouraging a mannequin. Like if the other side wins, it is death to everything sacred that yes. you love. Right. And that does not, that's not conducive to mm-hmm. thoughtful, empathetic engagement and listening with quote unquote, the other, 
That's mm-hmm. battle lines are drawn, defensive in every conversation, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and that Todd, I think I think that's great. Ahead, and I, I would just say that for uh, for the church wow. to be so caught up in that cultural ethos is yeah. so damaging to us. I mean, in a sense, we should sort of expect that from the broader culture, but for the church to be so immature in our ability to do this, that's what I think is, that's That's what saddens me so deeply is the incapacity that we have due to, I, I would suggest the fact that we have been more formed by the cultural ethos than by the spirit of God and the way that we are living out our faith in America in the 21st century. And that I think it's gotta be a wake up call for the church, for pastors and how we are discipled and disciple and lead our flocks and and congregations. Yes. Yeah. So to kind of just wrap up because we, we don't, we, we, we're cognizant of the fact that everybody's a bit exhausted uh, (laughs) talking about and thinking about this. So we want this to be, um, perhaps helpfully succinct uh, for this week. But uh, to wrap things up, I wonder if both of you could speak pastorally to pastors, if that makes sense. Um, and we've been doing this already, but one, caring for uh, the kind of emotional responses that many in the congregation might be having uh, to this outcome Um, you know, whether it's, I cannot believe it was this close. It it never should have been this close given everything that the last four years have been, how could Trump almost win again, or the direction of our nation is so blah, 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 whatever the case may be, you know, you know, there, there are many on my Facebook feed who are distraught that uh, it looks like Trump might have lost. And uh, then there are many who are uh, rejoicing in a certain outcome and all of that. So, and and both of these people are in our, in our churches. (laughs) So how do we, how do we care for those people as while we're casting a vision? And maybe where are those people, by the way, who are feeling that, um, who, so how do we care for those people, care for ourselves while uh, kind of casting a vision as, as leaders in the church for the future? I, I preached this past Sunday on uh, the title was the most important election, and it was on the, the biblical doctrine of election and <laughs> <Nice>. elections. <laughs> and it was what I was trying to get at was the identity of the church as the elect people the elect instrument of God for divine blessing in the world um, and how vital it is that we understand uh, though our earthly citizenship is important, it's, it's secondary and must be quite secondary um, for us to really accomplish the mission that we have. And so I, I think for, for, for pastors in this time, uh, you know, if it's in the immediate uh, of someone who's devastated at, at, at how the election turns out, or just over the next months as we're unwinding from all of this, I, I think this uh, teaching on the identity of the church, 
um, is uh, crucially important for this time. And walking people through their identity in Christ is is central. And perhaps I can build on what Joel just said, which I love and think is exactly right, um, and draw on a phrase, or it's, in fact, it's a chapter title of the um, famous British missiologist, missionary, theologian, Leslie Newbegin, in his book, The, the Gospel in a Pluralist Society, where toward the end of the book, he talks about the church as the hermeneutic for the gospel. Mm-hmm. So in other words, how does the watching world or a world that needs the gospel see the gospel, encounter the gospel, experience the gospel, uh, make sense of the gospel, have, have like a, a read on what is the gospel? Yeah. And, and of course, his answer is the church is the hermeneutic for the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and so the, for the pastors that are listening and the, and the congregants that are listening, the lay people, the opportunity that this presents to the church, our deeply divided country, is massive. Rather than the sky is falling. So maybe, Joel, I am kind of tracking on my optimism theme here, right? So It's coming out. It's coming out. We're we're, we're getting in touch with it. Seeing the the situation as, oh, my gosh, the sky is falling, and oh, my gosh, and the problems are so bad, and oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. How about – the church grabbing hold of what Joel just said, leaning into the unity that we have through the spirit of Christ in the midst of our deep political differences. So as the culture and society is hardening and deepening in the differences, the church can be rallying to our shared identity in Christ and unity. And that will be such an unbelievably powerful witness to the world uh, because it's something sociologists and political scientists won't be able to explain. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly right. Which is to say, kind of summarizing, Democrats and Republicans worshiping a risen Lord together. Yes, is the lens that we can give our society into the gospel and the unity that we have in Christ. Namely, if they see that, wait, there's a Democrat and a Republican, they're supposed to hate each other's guts and be so Mm -hmm. conflicted over this and that and the other thing. And here they are worshiping this other guy side by side. Um, Yeah, yeah, I think that's... That's a, a a beautiful way to put it, Todd. What do you got? Well, no, I mean that's exactly right. I think the I think the chapters for the church these days should be Romans fourteen and fifteen, mm-hmm. and the diversity in the body of Christ in the church in Rome. And you might go, oh, they were just you know those were small matters back then. We got real serious issues now. Well, not in the first century. Those were huge issues. This Jew Gentile kind of cultural, philosophical, yeah. religious, historical tensions. That was no joke back then. Hence, Paul had to speak to it on a number of occasions and engage yeah. with these issues. And Romans 14 and 15 lays it out. But what's so powerful, Romans 14, is that just to, to put a, a, an even sharper theological point on your point about worshiping the risen Lord, worshiping the risen Lord who will come to judge the living and the dead. The risen Lord is the judge one day. Yes. And this is where Romans 14 goes. Let each one 
uh, I mean, uh, each one will uh, uh, stand or fall before Jesus, right? I mean, each of us is going to stand before our judge. We do not need to be judging other people's convictions in the meantime. Yes. Yes. And to put a a finer point on your finer point and kind of maybe bring that into our content, uh, into our context, worshiping a risen Lord who will come and judge Democrat and Republican alike, I think is Mm -hmm. is the point for our purposes. Um, There's, there's, there's a, there's a higher register of of unity that I think we can aspire, aspire to. And so so maybe uh, a, a banner verse or verses for, uh, the church in our time from Romans. The plane, Todd. What you got? What you got? Romans 15 verses five, six, and seven. May the God of endurance and encourage. So remember, he's writing this to a divided church in Rome in the first century where the issues were serious. The culture was crazy. The church was trying to survive. It was fledgling. It was struggling. And this is what he says. May the God of endurance and encouragement we need endurance. We need encouragement. Grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, verse 7, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Amen. And only he can grant it. It is a, it is a supernatural Yes. work of the spirit of God and not of us. And we, we're desperate for that supernatural work in the church. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, Todd, Joel, thanks for uh, being here today and helping, helping me, helping us process this. Uh, here's, um, I, I don't mean this in a, in a trite way, but here, here's to hope mm. that the, the, Lord and the Spirit will be at work in the church uh, for his glory in the coming weeks and months and years uh, in the United States. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CPT Podcast, a theology podcast for the church. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider throwing us a like, sharing the podcast online, subscribing, leaving a review. Uh, Anything like that would go a long way towards helping other people hear about the podcast. Uh, The CPT Podcast is a ministry of the Center for Pastor Theologians. You can learn more about the CPT by visiting us at pastortheologians.com. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our host for today's episode was Todd Wilson. Our producer and editor was Trenton Jones. Our music was composed by Andrew Gerlicher. I'm Zach Wagner. Thanks for listening.